Good morning. Everybody have a good Christmas? Yes? Excellent. Well, did you know that there was uh, once a time when people gave so much to the church that they were asked to stop giving? It's true. In Exodus 36, the people were giving so much time, so much money, so much resources, so many materials for the construction of the sanctuary that they were trying to build that Moses literally had to said that they had more than enough and to please stop, stop bringing stuff. And I don't know if we will ever see a situation like that again, but this past year I would say the congregation of this church has certainly given it a try. And for that, I just want to say thank you. What makes it so special is that you have done all these things in one of the most difficult years we've seen in quite some time. And through both uncertainty and trials, you've remained faithful both to God and to this church. And while I'm certainly proud of all of you, I know God has a smile on his face as well as he thinks about how your generosity is continuing to shape and change the community. We have a lot of big plans for the coming year. We are hoping to find a new location for the church. We are hoping to start a preschool. Uh, and we're also going to do whatever else we feel like God's calling us to do. And while there are certainly a lot of worthy organizations that you know, do a lot of amazing work, I don't think there's a better place that you can invest your resources than right here uh, at Harmony Vineyard. And so for you in attendance and for those of you that are uh, watching online, let's pray over our offering and get ready to change someone's life forever. Lord God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that we can always trust in you, that you are an abundant God, and out of your great love and mercy, you have given us so much. As an act of our heartfelt gratitude, we give you our tithes and offerings. With them, we worship you and acknowledge your blessings upon us. Please now take them and use them for your kingdom and your glory. Extend and multiply their reach and their influence, and may they be a great blessing to many. We ask this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the title of this message today is What's Next? And there's a lot of ways you can say that simple two-word sentence. You could say it with uh, a sense of dread, as in, what's next? Or you could say it in a sense of joyous anticipation, like, What's next? It's up to you to choose how you choose to say it. One thing I can say for certain, and that is that no one will likely ever refer to the year 2020 as the good old days and seriously mean it. 
Um, just a quick recap of 2020. Started out, oh, there we go, whoops. Just keep doing your best, Nick, it's okay. <laughs> Nick is up there struggling to get our video online. I'm, we're not sure what's going on, but we can, we'll move on without it. So it started out, if you recall, with the, the bushfires in Australia. And, I mean, there were literally, f well, 47 million acres were burned. It displaced thousands of people and killed at least 34 people. So that's how things started out. Then, pretty much the next thing that happened was, uh, you guessed it, COVID-19. I don't know that I really need to say a whole lot more about that. <laughs> we're, we're still all living the dream. Um, <laughs> then, uh, then came the impeachment of the president. Shortly after that, the stock market crashed. It was the uh, worst single day point drop ever. It was on March the 9th. Then we had the Black Lives Matter protests slash riots, depending on your point of view, I guess. Well, there we go. Catch up here. Here we are. All right. Um, then probably my favorite event of the year, the murder hornets. Do you remember the murder hornets? <laughs> These like two-inch hornets that were supposed to invade, you know, the U.S. and um, kill everybody. Well, they did come, and they primarily target honeybees. So, but they did uh, they did show up. Then later on in the year, we had that horrible explosion in Beirut. Um, we're at the port there. Uh, Two hundred two thousand seven hundred and fifty tons of ammonium nitrate exploded, killed at least 190 people and, and injured thousands more. Then the West Coast wildfires started and burned, you know, all those acres there from California all the way up to Washington, uh, again displacing lots and lots of people. Justice Ginsburg died in this past year, who was, uh, whether you kind of liked her political leanings or not. She was certainly uh, a trailblazer, was the second woman ever appointed to the Supreme Court. Um, and I just always loved the fact that Justice Ginsburg, who was on the left, and Justice Scalia, who was on the right, were fast friends. And I think we could learn a lot from that. Um, and then, of course, we've got the presidential election, which I'm not sure is over yet. Just saying. I'm not sure what's going to happen there. It's probably not over. So, now we find ourselves at the end of 2020, not wanting to look back, but probably a little bit apprehensive about looking forward. And it's no wonder that we're apprehensive about 2021 after we just came through a year with all of those things and, and others. I mean, I didn't mention the fact that uh, Prince Harry and Meghan left the royal family. That's a heartbreaker, I know, for a lot of folks. Um, so we've, we've just come through this year where we found ourselves constantly wondering, what's next? But rather than sit around and be apprehensive, Maybe we should see if there was ever a time when God's people were dealing with hard times 
and if God had anything encouraging about the future to say to them. Well, big surprise. Turns out there was. See, the Jewish exiles were enslaved in Babylon, and, and God is speaking to them through his chosen prophet, Isaiah. And he's reminding them of who he was and promising to rescue them once again. And so we're going to focus today on just two verses from Isaiah and see if God's encouragement to the nation of Israel could apply to us in this day and time. So if you want to follow along in uh, a Bible or an app, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. And that says, starting in verse 18 of Isaiah 43, Do not remember the former things, or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So here we have God providing the remnant of Israel clear instructions on moving beyond their current situation into a newer and a better one. And so I think similarly, we can apply this verse as God providing us with clear instructions on moving past this old year and moving into a new one. And I think those, if we look at this text, there's really uh, four steps that are included here, or four things that, that Isaiah is talking about. And the first one is this. Forget about it. <laughs> all right, you might say, well, Jeff, why are you all of a sudden talking like a South Jersey Goomba? And the reason is, I think 2020 was a year that had a lot of bad attitude, right? And if we're going to forget about it, I think we need to do so with some attitude. So we're not just going to forget about it. We're going to forget about it. <laughs> Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. And see, so forget about it is the Donnie Brasco interpretation of Isaiah 43.18. Right? And in context, Isaiah is deriving his words from the Israelites' exodus from Egypt. Okay? Primarily when God enabled Moses to part the Red Sea, when all of these signs and wonders were coming, manna from heaven, quail falling, water coming out of rocks, all these amazing things were happening to them in the desert. They were all positive things that God had done for the nation of Israel. But Isaiah is issuing an important reminder here. He's saying the past can teach us and illustrate us, but it must not bind us. See, the Lord always has greater things in store. He's revealed in the past, but he's more than just the past revealed. And we have to remember that even with this sort of positive thing, the Israelites' past was not always so positive, right? They had plenty of trials and hardships as they wandered around in the desert for 40 years. So they not only must forget the good things that happened, they've got to forget the past and all the problems that were part of it too. And I think it certainly applies to us. So, you know, whether you look at 2020 as a really good year or a really bad year, in either case, it's a past year. It's an old year. It's a former year. 
And so Isaiah tells us that step one in this is to forget about it. Step two is to focus on what's about to happen. See, in verse 19, he says, I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? See, the new thing that's being referred to here is their deliverance from Babylon. And it's patterned on the Exodus, like I said. Now, is the new thing better than the old thing? Yeah, it is. They get to go home. Is the new thing a time of ease, relaxation, and leisure? Not so much. Right? Because just as with the exodus from Egypt, they still have to wander through the desert to get home. Right? But focusing on what's about to happen has a purpose. It helps... First of all, it helps with step one that helps us to forget about the last year. And to really look forward. See, the new year is typically viewed sort of like as a blank canvas with unfulfilled potential. And the New Year's resolutions that we make that Andre was talking about a little, little earlier is sort of our way of acknowledging that we want to make the new year better than the previous one. Right? Yeah, I mean, nobody makes resolutions like, this year I want to gain 25 pounds, I want to develop heart disease, and I think I'll get a divorce too. No. It's always, this year I'm going to lose 25 pounds, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to work on making my marriage or relationship better. Right? But see, this text really isn't about making resolutions necessarily. It's about focusing on what God is going to do. And so in this new exodus, the Jews would again be going through desolate land. But they are promised that they won't be left on their own when they do. And they're also promised that God is going to be an integral part of that journey. And God's part makes up steps three and four in this little equation, if you want to call it that. So the third thing is that we've got to follow his way. Verse 19, the, f the next part says, I will make a way in the wilderness. Now, a way is essentially a path. And the purpose of a path is what? To get from point A to point B. And God has given us a way. It's called a Bible. And if you're into making resolutions, how about resolving to follow God's way in 2021? See, because if you, if you will do this, I virtually guarantee that, your that 2021 will be better than 2020, no matter what happens. If you think that you had a bad year in 2020, I want you to consider how the year ended for my daughter's father-in-law. His name is Barry, by the way. About a week ago, he found out that he has stage 4 non-small non cell lung cancer. And we're, are, we are friends with uh, my daughter's in-laws, and so I called him and I talked to him on Christmas Eve. And while he admitted that the, the past week had had its ups and its downs, he was very positive and he kept telling me that he and his wife were continuing to trust God for the future. He's the living embodiment of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. See, it's a wonderful thing to, let's say you want to resolve to read through the Bible in a year. That's a great thing to do. It's an even greater thing to resolve to follow and obey God's word in every area of your life. Not just in the easy parts. Not just in the convenient parts. Every part. And then step four is this. Flow with his rivers. Now, unlike a path, which tends to be sort of set, predictable, a river just kind of goes where it goes. And it's that way with the Holy Spirit, which is why water is often used to express the influences of the Holy Spirit. So in addition to forgetting what's behind, focusing on what's ahead, and following God's path, let's add a fourth component to that. And that fourth component is acting on the prompts and nudges of the Holy Spirit. Now you might say, well, how is that going to make 2021 any better? I mean, we're already following God's path, right? We're, we're in his word, we're reading his word, we're obeying his word. I would say that it's going to make 2021 better because following the Holy Spirit's nudges almost always involves doing something for someone else. Maybe it's praying for someone, not later, but in the moment, wherever you are. Grocery store, Walmart, gas station. Maybe it's you get this nudge that a person just needs a word of encouragement. And so you, you walk up to this total stranger that God seems to be pointing out to you, and you encourage them however you do that. Maybe it's just telling someone about Jesus. See, I think God, through the Holy Spirit, is really speaking to us all the time, or at least a lot of the time. And we just dismiss it. We kind of think, well, that's just, I just kind of dreamed that up, or I just thought that up, or that's... <laughs> I guess the old saying would be, that's the liquor talking. <laughs> of course, none of you are doing that. But we, we find these ways to just sort of put out of our mind, oh, you know, I, that can't be right. God wouldn't ask me to go talk to a total stranger, would he? Yeah, he would. Sorry to tell you. And we've got to get to a point where we're willing to step outside that uncomfortable feeling that we get when that happens and go do that. See, because acting on those nudges, rather than just dismissing them, is what's going to really help make this next year a good year. Because you're not only going to have a good year because you were faithful to what God was telling you to do, but you're making the year better for somebody else. Hopefully a lot of somebody else's. So, to conclude. Just imagine for a minute that you've got two women. They are the same age. They're the same socioeconomic status. They're the same educational level. They're even the same temperament. 
right? <clears throat> and you hire both of them. And you say to each, you are part of an assembly line. And as part of this assembly line, I want you to put part A into slot B. And then you hand what you've just assembled to the next person. And I want you to do that over and over and over again for eight hours a day. And you put them in identical rooms with identical lighting, identical temperature, identical ventilation, and you give them the very same number of breaks during the day. It's very boring work. Their conditions are exactly the same with one difference. You tell the first woman that at the end of the year, you will pay her $30,000. And you tell the second woman that at the end of the year, you will pay her $30 million. After a couple of weeks, the first woman will be saying something like, this, this is awful, this is so tedious. Isn't this work driving you insane? Aren't you thinking about quitting? And the second work woman will say, no, this is perfectly acceptable. In fact, I whistle while I work. So what's going on? You have two human beings who are experiencing identical circumstances in radically different ways. What makes the difference? It's their expectation of the future. It's their expectation of the future. The illustration's not intended to say that we all need a good income. It does, however, show that what we believe about our future completely controls how we are experiencing the present. See, we are irreducibly hope-based creatures. And God has given us something that is so much more valuable than $30 million. He's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. And it is an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. That alone ought to give us hope for the future. And that hope ought to influence how we experience our present. But I'll say this, that's hope for the future at a macro level, right? You may take macro and microeconomics, right? And macro really refers to the larger thing, and micro, the, the detailed aspect of things. So that hope that we have through that promise of salvation is, is a macro level hope. But there's hope for the future on a micro level too. And I think that if we will follow these four things that Isaiah is talking about in this passage, that we will achieve the micro level of hope too. And that's to forget about the past, focus on what's about to happen, follow his path, and flow with his rivers. And if we'll do that, I think 2021 is going to be a great year. Let's pray.
Father, I, I know it must pain you. It's how so many people have suffered in this year. We know that uh, among all of the other terrible things that happened this year, that this virus has hurt and damaged so many, not just because of a physical illness, but because of isolation and depression and all of these sort of unintended consequences of remaining apart. And so that and, and all the rest that I mentioned are all reasons why we are so happy to put 2020 in our rearview mirror. And Father, I pray today that this scripture will give all of us a renewed sense of hope, a renewed vision for our own lives as well as the lives of the institutions that we value, such as our, our jobs and our church. And so rather than come before you and just complain about what was, Lord, we come before you and we give you praise and thanks for what will be. For everything that you are going to do for us. But Father, you've told us that we need to do our part too. And our part is not to dwell on the negative that has just been a part of our existence. But to forget about it. To look forward to those things that are ahead. And as we've seen, those things are not all going to be entirely good. They never are. Jesus was pretty clear about that. But Father, you say that if we will follow your way and flow in your river, the river of your Holy Spirit, that we can have a wonderful year. And so Lord, I ask for the strength and the courage to do that in my own life, and I pray now for the strength and courage of all those that are part of this service today, that they would be able to do the same. And so now I want to close our prayer with a celebration of the sacrifice that your son Jesus made. As we recall that on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he took bread and he asked his Father in heaven to bless it, and then he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take this, all of you, and eat, for this is my body given for you. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, and again he gave you thanks and praise. And this cup, too, he gave to his disciples, and he said, Take this, all of you, and drink, for this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new an everlasting covenant 
blood that was shed for you and for many so that your sins may be forgiven. So whenever you eat of this bread or drink of this cup, do so and remember me. Father, I ask now that you would truly come and, and make this simple meal to be for us your body and your blood. That you would consecrate it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The body of Jesus given for you. And the blood of Jesus shed for you. Amen. Give God, I can't speak because I'm still chewing. <laughs> Give God praise for uh, that incredible message of hope. Let's put our hands together. Let's receive that. Amen. As usual, we say it every week. If you need prayer, we'll be here to pray for you after the service. You know that. Let's, um, every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to read something and then I want to just do it a little different. Because I want to pray a blessing over you as you leave and as you walk into a new season. Amen. Thank you, Father. Like Pastor Jeff was saying that, you know, this has been a year. Some of us have had hits to our finances, to our health, to our families. But I want to read you this out of Joel 2.25. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. <laughs> this is good stuff. The crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, the chewing locusts. My great army which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God. There is no other. My people will never be put to shame. And then it goes on. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also my maidservants, I'm sorry, let's place And also my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show you wonders in the heavens and in the earth. Blood and fire, pillars and smoke. The, tunge, the sun shall be turned into darkness. The moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of our Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Would you stand with me before we go?
I just want to pray over you and just lift you. Let's lift our hands. Let's receive. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just right now as a church look towards 2021 with hope. We're forgetting about it. <laughs> I can't say it quite as well. We're forgetting about 2020, Lord. Father, for every person watching, every person here, every person who has been affected negatively by this year, physically, financially, mentally, spiritually, we call back everything that the thief stole from them. We command a complete restoration be returned. Father, we declare and we decree that your spirit will be poured out over our church like never before, that we will begin to dream dreams. We will begin to see visions. We will see many come to the Lord in Jesus' name. We will see miracles beyond our wildest dreams in Jesus' name. Lord, we declare and we decree that this house will be a house of the fire of the Lord. And in Jesus' name, we receive it. And in Jesus' name, we stand and we say, come hell or high water, we will not be shaken. So now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think, or even imagine, we give you honor and praise. You are our God. We are your people and we love you. And we say all this and ask all this and pray all this and believe through the core of our being. We believe all this. In Jesus' name, and everyone who's in agreement shouted, Amen. Amen. Amen.